Good afternoon. You are listening to Dawnland Signals on WERU-FM. Dawnland Signals is a monthly talk show where we hold space for critical conversations of truth, healing, and change here in the Dawnland. We explore topics such as restorative justice, restorative practices, decolonization, cultural revival, and more. Our guests are people involved in aspects of truth, healing, and change work. This program is offered in an effort to share, inspire, and inform. Dawnland Signals is a collaboration of Wabanaki Reach and WERU-FM, and I am your co-host, Maria Gerard. Thank you, Maria. Uh, I am Esther Ann, the other co-host. Water is life. This month, we're excited to be talking with Passamaquoddy Tribal Representative Rena Newell and Zibayag School Board member Holly Cleves about the effort to provide clean, safe drinking water to the people of Zibayag. I'm just going to read um, a couple of uh, pieces of an article. Portland Press-Herald article says, the main house voted overwhelmingly to advance a bill that would give the Passamaquoddy more control over the tribe's drinking water. The 103 to 35 vote came a day after roughly 300 supporters rallied at the state house in support of the bill sponsored by Representative Rena Newell of the Passamaquoddy tribe. The bill faces further votes in the legislature and opposition from the Mills administration, which has raised concerns about giving the tribe more control over a water district that not only serves its community at Pleasant Point, but also the neighboring towns of Perry and Eastport. But the strong bipartisan vote in the House shows the bill is well positioned to overcome any possible veto. Well, that that was way back on April 12th. (laughs) Um, And when we had, I wanted to say that when we put the the notice of the show in our monthly email, we said that we were going to learn about the the history and present state of water quality at Zabayag and about the ways that people are coming together to work toward a solution. So before we talk to our guests, Maria uh, is going to lead us in a land appreciation. Thank you, Esther. Let's just take a moment to pause and to acknowledge the land beneath our feet. Wabanaki, the land of the first light, the dawn land, land that has known Wabanaki ancestors, the tallest trees and the oldest rivers, land that has known peace and conflict, land that has nourished us and sustained us since time immemorial. We acknowledge the indigenous peoples of this land, Wabanaki, the Passamaquoddy, Penobscot, Micmac, Malastie, and Abenaki, and we give thanks to your stewardship and resilience. On my relations, we are broadcasting from WERU studio in Blue Hill, Alamusic, Wabanaki. Thank you, Maria. So, so excited to finally be visiting virtually with uh, these wonderful women from Zibayig. Um, it's been a while, it's taken us a while to get on the same, on the Zoom at the same time, um, mostly because Rena has been so very, very busy. So I'm so happy that Rena Newell is here today and Holly Cleves. And <clears throat> we have so much to talk about 
we could probably use a two-hour show, which is what we usually end up saying at the end of an hour, like, gee, I wish we had more time. So I wanted to get right into it and um, ask about your earliest memory. What are your earliest memories about uh, water? Zamagwan water at Zibayag. And when you first may have realized that there was a problem. Holly, do you want to start? Okay, yes. Hi, um, Holly Cleves here, uh, Zabayag, Maine, of course. And um, I remember pumping water when I was younger. I did it not only in Zabayag, but I also did it in Township. And I lived both reservations for many years on and off. Um, so, you know, when, when we were pumping the water, it was fun. It was fun at the same time, but it was... Um, something unknown to me so you know like the history of it at the time um <clears throat> so i would say you know coming back to zabayeg uh as i got older um you know one of my uh my siblings paula she um tried to fill up this pool for full of water and she's she was shocked at the color of it so going from that clean water to this type of water you know um it was a very very hard thing to um accept yeah that was a long time ago that was a while back and so you know we were saying we were saying to ourselves do we accept this or do we uh do something about it or do we you know let's have conversations um, so, you know, those are, those are just two of my memories, um, that I can bring up real quick about, uh, water for me. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's how far I can go with that for now. Thank yeah. you, Holly. And Rina. Yeah, she really won. Esther Naga Maria for inviting me to uh, spend some time with you and perhaps comment on this important subject and, she went to Holly Cleves as well. I think uh, relating to the question, you know, um, I think my first uh, connection with having an issue with our water here in Sabayak, our drinking water here in Sabayak, was at times coming home, you know, from school or somewhere and having a boil water notice, you know, on your, on your door, uh, your doorway. Or, you know, on the kitchen table after it had been delivered. I think that's my earliest recollection of identifying with uh, the drinking water um, and its uh, quality that raised concern. But I appreciate uh, Holly kind of mentioning um, what she noticed more recently, I believe. And I think I just want to highlight that. Um, in 2019, in the summer of 2019, I think I really took notice. And, and that was from uh, a video uh, photos posted on social media um, with, uh, you know, a parent filling up a child's pool. And that pool color was like a neon lime green. And just to continue to watch through the video after, you know, attempts to chlorinate to, you know, to correct the watercolor, just the, you know, the colors relating to the filter changes and just trying to 
you know, fill up a pool for your child, you know, during the hot summer months and, and have it come out in that collar, I think really raised concern with me personally at that time. And that was the summer of 2019. You know, um, I grew up in Zavai too. Um, I left in the early 80s um, and moved away. But I remember, you know, all the time at my mom's, it's like we didn't drink the tap water. She always got, you know, it was like common for everybody to just have all of these gallons of water lined up by the door, you know, and and she'd put them in uh, milk crates, take them up to my brother's well uh, in Perry and get her water from his well and bring it down it was like it's just a regular chore and I I remember thinking you know all the we'd be like the water tastes funny it tastes chemically but it was like almost like it's still safe but it just tastes funny that's like that was the narrative you know it just tastes funny and and you you know okay let's drink spring water because it tastes better thinking almost like um like we're being snobby you know, but it's like, it tastes funny because there's something wrong with it. Not, it tastes funny because of the, that, that, that it's the things that are making it safe, make it taste funny was the message that used to be given. Um, I think about that a lot. Uh, can I interrupt on that? Um, yeah. Didn't, didn't your mother have a well next to her house area somewhere in there? No, no, no. we never had a well there. No, it must be somewhere in that vicinity then, because somebody was, somebody mentioned, well, actually, let me just put it out there. Fred Paul mentioned one time before that um, he had a friend from the tribe, and I don't want to say names, but um, they got diphtheria and almost died. And the reason mm-hmm. for that was um, the the wells were built, you know, shallow. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, the, that so, I mean, it goes back to our elders, elders way back. Um, and, uh, and here we are today in 2022, that's when I don't even think you were born. I I don't think many of us under 60 were born at the time when they were having issues. Yeah. It's almost like it just was accepted, right. As just a way of life to go get the water from somewhere else. And that's not okay. (laughs) Not especially if you're an elder and you're carrying that you know yeah. with kids and you know I just and there, it's almost like there was it's I've seen okay okay it's not okay to drink but you can still wash with it and brush your teeth and then it's like you can't brush your teeth with it and now you can't even wash your body or your clothes because it's impacting your skin and the the quality of the clothes and everything well you could smell the chlorine in it you could smell some of the chemicals right Reen? Yes, I, I don't yes. know if you, yeah see yeah, uh, you guys must have smelt it once before being down here before and it's that time of the year you know this is the time of the year we're going to start seeing something again bigger and uh now it will be visible to the eye when mm-hmm. we never really saw it with the naked eye did you want to speak a little bit more about why this would be the time of the year um like where does the the water come from um and and how does it reach Pleasant Point, is that something that um, either you, Holly, or Rena could speak to? Um, I, I won't be as long, um, but I, I know Rena has a lot and lengthy story to it. But I know from my experience, 
you know, working on the council and being on the council at one point in time, you know, people would come to me and ask me, can we, can we get this on the agenda? Can we do a few things? Can, and, and I, and I went to go research and I went to go to the Passport Water District and they took me through the filtration system and they told me that the, um, the Boyden's Lake filters into their system. And it, I mean, I took a lot of pictures of this system too, as a matter of fact. And to find out after this whole story is over with, um, you know, they only ran on one filter. I said, well, why didn't you, why don't you, you know, apply for another, you know, a grant or whatever. Let's work together. Let's figure this out so we can, you know, um, get somewhere with clean water and answer because this is not, it's not acceptable. And so that was probably like the time that we were talking about, um, starting to uh come out of the woodwork with each other and say hey let's let's keep talking about this and that was i think like rena said 2019 but um it, it starts in boyden's lake and so when it over you know the downfall of rain will over flood that area that that um that first filtration system where they have like the rock system and when it overflows uh it also uh, captures the uh, feces from the wild animals. It just, it won't even filter through in that first part and first part of it. And then it just keeps flowing, flowing, flowing. So that's, you know, I have pictures to share. And I mean, I, I, I don't even know if I shared them once, once before, but um, they're, they're welcome to you. But go ahead, Rena. I think that uh, it would be better served from your end. No, absolutely. I would agree, uh, Holly, in that our water, you know, comes from Boyden Lake Reservoir. It travels down about three miles um, to the um, water treatment plant, uh, gets uh, filtered there and, and processed there. And then it comes another, you know, down to Sabayak and another three miles into Eastport. But what's been, um, you know, uh, reported around the water source itself is, you know, you know, over the years, um, you know, the source itself has has diminished. Um, And, you know, this is coming from a lake, um, which is used, you know, for recreational purposes. And there's, you know, camps along the lake and and. so it's different uh, from groundwater, a groundwater source. And then as, you know, just as Holly mentioned and um, Maria kind of questioned, you know, it, it changes with the seasons, really. So we are about to enter that season where we'll see, um, you know, with the rain and um, the wind and all the... Um, organic matter such as leaves and you know kind of fall into the water and you know all that needs to be filtered and processed um but uh as we were talking about the difference between it being kind of clear and and funny tasting i think now um at least for me since 2019 you know the color is is just uh, more significant now in in the way that it comes down in its color, and um, 
It can be, like I mentioned before, depending on the process, it could be lime green. Um, But then, you know, it's just uh, very earth tone like um, coming out of the tap or in the basements. And um, it can, um, you know, on our laundry and, you know, like Esther mentioned earlier, you know, the concerns in regards to to showering and, and bathing the kids in it, you know. There's been reports on how that's affected, um, you know, our younger people and certainly um, our elders as well. I think the source itself is just really diminished over the years. You know, it, it's interesting. I have a friend who lives next to uh, the, the, a town in this town, not this town, but somewhere else in Maine. She lives next to that town's water supply. And they can't, they don't allow anybody on it. They allow kayakers on it, but you have to have certification. You got to take classes. She had to take a class so they could identify plants and they don't just let anybody on it. They don't let motors on it um, because it's a water source. So it's interesting that Boyden Lake is a water source and it is, has so many recreational boats on it. Um, I just wanted to let folks know that you're listening to Dawnland Signals on WERUFM. I'm your co-host, Esther Ann, along with my co-host, Maria Gerard. Dawnland Signals is a monthly talk show where we hold space for critical conversations of truth, healing, and change. Today, we're talking with Rena Newell and Holly Cleves uh, from Sibayag about the effort to bring clean water to the Passapawati tribe at Sibayag. So, Rena, you introduced a bill to the legislature this session and um, I've really I've been enjoying listening in and learning all that there is to know um, during the work sessions. Uh, would you want to tell us a little bit about that bill and sort of where it is at this moment? Yeah, certainly. Thanks for the question. I think I'll go back a little bit. Um, as we mentioned, you know, during the summer of 2019, when we first really noticed, you know, the discoloration that came along with the the funny tasting um, water. Um, we started meeting um, and we started having weekly internal meetings here um, with our administration, with our environmental department, um, with our uh, attorney. And um, we started having these meetings. And then in the beginning of uh, 2020, we started um uh, having these larger stakeholder meetings and um, bringing um, a number of different people to the table to discuss our our water quality issues and our concerns and you know try to I, we try to and we did we identified you know short term goals long term goals and um, some medium um, uh, timed goals as well. But uh, during that process, you know, um, we, we also explored the option of considering putting forth legislation, um, you know, that certainly could be looked at, you know, by the tribal administration, um, should it pass and, and be able to move forward with it. So I think we moved. Um, forward, you know, with our short-term goals and uh, identified some long-term goals and and really just met, you know, for a couple of years. 
and really felt like we didn't see any significant changes um, being made. Um, so we decided the original um, legislation was a concept um, draft and uh, it was carried over. Uh, the first year it was introduced as a concept draft. And then uh, this year we really, um, you know, made um, some additional considerations to the language. And uh, that's how we came, you know, to um, put forth the legislation around 906. Did I answer your question, Maria? Would you like to? <laughs> no, that's great, LD906. Um, and so that stemmed from these larger stakeholder meetings that had been happening for a few years now, right? Yeah, I was. You mentioned uh, having set some short-term goals and some long-term goals, um, and I did notice uh, recently that there was a well that was. Um, I think it had already existed on the site across from the school. So, is that one of the goals that came out of the stakeholder group? Was the well? Uh yeah, I mean, Holly can jump in here, too, because, you know, as Esther was talking about, you know, um, the chore of having to go and get, you know, um, jugs filled with water. But uh, if Holly wants to speak about this, you know, where we have to go, um, you know, and then we can I can circle back. OK, thank you, Rena. Um, I appreciate that. Um, every time you speak, it brings me up, you know, some memories, too. So. You know, like the community would guide us to all these little wells sitting in Zubai. And so um, we had, uh, we, we, we would speak with the environmental department um, at Bassett or, um, you know, his team in that, in that, uh, in the environmental department, which was um, um, Billy Boo Longfellow, Billy Longfellow. William Longfellow, and then you have uh, Christopher Johnson, um, and remind me, um, oh, Kling, Mr. Kling. Marvin. Marvin, there you go. Anyway, yeah, they, that whole team was looking towards um, um, investigating whether or not, well, you know, that was going to be uh, conducive towards what we needed, what we were looking to have. Um, it had a lot of... Um, shortfalls because we I believe they needed uh certifications or something like that now I was out of that picture um in the in the ending and and where it actually started I was actually out of the picture at that time because I I didn't spend no longer than I think uh uh like nine and a half months in council but uh, we even went down, um, Colleen Cummins and I and a few other people went down to Passamaquoddy Water District at one of their meetings. And uh, we addressed them to ask them, you know, you know, what can we do? Can we start talking with the, you know, with each other? And uh, and I think that's that's where Rainer and, that, you know, the whole new administration takes, you know, uh, foot, you know, further. And thank God, I'll tell you. Um, because it just felt like we were getting nowhere and it feels like we're getting somewhere to, you know, that light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm like, Oh, all these years, just all these years, you know, and I, it, and I was telling my mother the other day, Alberta white, I said, wouldn't it be nice 
for our elders to actually reap the benefit of turning on a faucet. Can you imagine? She said, I don't know if that's going to happen in my time because it's been going on for so long. So, but yeah, um, you know, and, and, and at, in the time that I was in council, I suggested and I kept suggesting, but, you know, I think we were all, I, I suggested getting, you know, everyone uh, water filters for their homes, you know, or find a way to get them some filters, at least the elders. And, um, you know, and everybody, I think at that time was just throwing in ideas, you know, and, and any idea was a good idea, you know, and today I just, I'm just praying that, you know, I, I'm, I pray and I stand behind Rena, you know, spiritual, I, I just pray that, you know, she can get us across this line that we've been all standing up against just standing there waiting for the bloodline to actually come clear, mm. you know, because that, that this is our bloodline without water. We don't survive. So mm. if you don't want us to survive, you're not going to give us that water. You're not going to allow us to have clean water. I think so I went some off of, it, but I, I'm really emotional there. That's good. It's okay, Hall. <laughs> yeah, really the, thinking about water filters, um, they've also, I, I see on um, that Wabanaki Public Health has also been donating a lot of water to people, bottled water to get people through. Um, and then the filters are, you know, that's a stopgap measure. It's a good idea, but those, they have to be changed all the time. And, you know, I Please. imagine you need one for, for the shower too. And so, yeah, the, I can... Uh, I have one. I was going to submit my picture to you guys about the the uh, the system that I have. Um, it cost me ninety dollars, and one filter will last me six months. Mm. But it will cost me again sixty dollars to get a new one. Mm. And, um, I don't know if you could see that on the picture, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I wish the audience could see what I have up here. But I also have one for my. Uh, my sink, but I'll tell you what, you know, I, I feel bad because at the same time, not everybody has that opportunity to get one. Mm-hmm. They yeah. have to drink the water sometimes. They have to put that um, water in their baby's cup. Is it health you know? and all? Have you noticed a difference since you got the filter? Absolutely. I don't cook. I don't cook. So <laughs> <laughs> I won't use water to cook, but um, if I needed to use anything, I needed clean water. I've got it, you know, um, to an extent where, um, you know, now my body doesn't itch. My hair feels like it's coming back to life. It's not dying. I had a ball squat up here and I, I don't know, you know, and that might have a little bit of a um, medicine. My medicine might have a little bit to do with that, but boy, my hair was uh, left and right coming out I've and heard, i'm not the only one i've heard stories about skin uh babies having a lot of eczema yes and that they can't get rid of and then their hair people's hair falling out i've heard a lot of stories like that i don't think you're alone there no no holly you mentioned um you know the the cost of that uh filter and um you know also the water jugs and the drinking water and that's one thing you know, to highlight in this whole conversation also is the expenses that 
um, people at Sabayak have to incur just to have water where everyone else, you know, here in the state probably can just turn on their, their faucet and their water comes out. And I remember one time um, last summer, I was actually staying on Boyden's Lake where the water comes from. And um, uh, there was a little girl that was visiting uh, from Pleasant Point and she went uh, to turn on the water and get a glass of water. And then she pulled it away and she said, oh, wait, can we drink this water? And it, for me, being used to drinking the water like that, it was it was so eye opening and sad to think that so many people just can't turn on the faucet and drink the water. It shouldn't be that the, question. And then the expenses, you know, of um, yeah. the jugs of water and the bottled water. Like when we were talking about like our earliest, um, your earliest recollection about the, there being a problem with the drinking water. Uh, when I lived down there uh, a few years ago and I remember going to visit an elder and uh, she asked me if I wanted a cup of tea and I said, yes. And she got up, uh, Ernie Yarmel, God love her. She got up and she's trying to make tea holding this big jug, this big gallon jug of water. And, you know, it's like when you see those things or hear those things, it really, it really yeah. makes an impact in, in realizing like this, this is just not right. No, and you have a lot of elders that are not as strong. Some of their arms are just so frail. I know one of the ladies that lives on top of the hill uh, near Gracie Paul, they're right there. Um, her arm is dead. Like she can't really, it's very mm. hard for her to do anything. So it's, you know, for them to have to do this for a very mm. long time, it's just, they're done. They're tired. Yeah. I think uh, if I could circle back to one of our short-term goals, you know, um, you talked about a lot of uh, donations of bottled water coming in, a lot of families having to go out on a weekly basis and purchase water. And I think, um, um, you know, the onset of the pandemic really, really brought forth um, an increase, you know, the amount of donations and, Water is still distributed here almost weekly. Um, and I just want to mention, you know, part of these meetings, um, as we identify potential alternative short-term um, water sources, basically wells, uh, we identified a, a source directly across from our elementary school. It's formerly known as uh, the Crawford site that had a wellhead on it and um, the tribe purchased that land. And so it's considered fee land now. Um, we began looking at that as a potential alternative to um, not having, you know, the tribal citizens here in Sabayak have to, um, you know, drive out to the town of Robinston, you know, to fill, um, you know, water jugs. So we began looking at that site, and uh, I'm so thankful to Ed Bassett and his leadership, you know, around um, that wellhead, which now is, that site is called Samaguanagook, uh, where the water flows, I believe. <laughs> I hope I said that correctly. <laughs> and um, there, there's been a lot of work there. Um, but I was so, you know, I was just like, 
we need to get this up. We need to get this up and running as soon as possible, you know, so that it's, you know, half a mile from my house, you know, so it's pretty short distance for a lot of people here in Sabayak. And so we've gone two seasons already. And what I say by two seasons, two winter seasons, and we've not quite met that short-term goal. Um, we uh, started it initially and began, you know, the testing and uh, preparation of the, you know, the site and did some initial, um, um, they have to flush and, and prepare for a permit. And then we ran into, you know, the winter season. But since then, you know, we received some resources from um, Wabanaki Public Health and Wellness that really has allowed us to expand on that site where it, it originally had just this manual um, pump. And so now with those additional resources, um, it has a complete building. Um, it's heated. It has electricity. It, it's, it's, you know, it's moving forward. And my last update from Ed Bassett who likes to remain behind the scenes where I would love to make him front and center, but I understand his position. He's done a tremendous amount of work with, with this site. And um, I think it's nearing its completion. um, And hopefully soon it'll be available, you know, to tribal citizens as a, as an alternative option to go and and do that chore of, you know, bringing, you know, bottled, you know, water back into your homes every weekend, you know, um, because it is a thought, uh, you know, and having to have it every day, uh, it is a chore. It, it's become like a, a weekend chore. Um, so yeah, hopefully soon, you know, or in the future, you know, we'll be able to go to our fountains, uh, our taps, you know, faucets and turn them on and, yeah, but then that's going to take a bit of adjusting too, right? Um, so the last update that I got on on Samaguanagok is that uh, it's undergoing flushing again. Um, there'll be some testing done on it, and then they'll go through the process of being permitted once again um, by the state of Maine drinking water program. So hopefully we'll see that up and running soon. Can I ask a question, Rain? <clears throat> I'm wondering if the extent of the well in Pembroke has the same forms and certifications or permits as well, because I mean, boy, we, we've got a lot, we've come a long way to getting that one ready, but we can go right up to Pembroke and I don't know if it's permitted, you know, I don't know if it's up to date. I don't know what, you know, that's a, just a, you know, curiosity, I guess. Yeah, I think we were going more local with our discussions and having it closer to Sabayak rather than having to have our tribal citizens, you know, um, worry about transportation issues to get out to Robinston. Right. No, no, no. I think the reason why I mentioned that was because, you know, um, I feel that it shouldn't have to go to the extent of having all these extravagant forms filled in and you got um, the 
president signed off on it. When I, I mean, from my understanding, I don't even think Pembroke has to do that. I don't know, but that's a, just a curiosity. And, and I'm thankful that we're getting somewhere at least close by that that gives a, an answer to. And I can almost guarantee you we're going to probably have a power over there <laughs> once it's up and running. That would be that would be perfect. You are listening to Dogland Signals on WERU-FM. I am your co-host, Maria Gerard, along with Esther Ann. Dawnland Signals is a monthly talk show where we hold space for critical conversations of truth, healing, and change. And today, we are talking about the um, past McCordy's Dubaiic water crisis uh, with Holly Cleves, school board member and past McCordy tribal member, and past McCordy tribal representative, Rena Newell. Um, Rena, you had mentioned Ed Bassett and the role that he played um, along with the environmental department. And I just have to say that I believe that Ed is probably one of um, Zubayek's uh, unsung heroes in so many things. He's involved in so many nice uh, projects and always kind of behind the scenes, a real uh, humble type of guy. Uh, Absolutely. I agree with you on that. <laughs> and a lot of people have been... Um, you know, really coming to, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for, to um, elevate the conversation, to get the word out about what is happening there. And um, Holly, you uh, participated in a documentary that was created by Sunlight um, Media Collective. Um, the Passamaquoddy as the Bayek respond to the drinking water crisis was the documentary that they created to talk about that. And you really took the discussion to um, a different level. You talked about the sacredness of water and, um, you know, how important it was with as the water runs through us and through our children and in this place. And do you want to uh, talk a little bit and share your thoughts along those lines? Yeah, um, I wish I kind of remembered exactly what I wrote, but um, I'm just going to go by memory. Um, Mother Earth, it's it's um, she's unique, you know. She's uh, a provider. We're her caretakers, so that's why we're created together. Um, if we don't take care of that bloodline, we all cease to exist. Literally, Mother Earth needs that water as well. Not just us humans, not just the animals. And so um, it's our responsibility to allow each other that clean water, to allow us to um, be caretakers, you know, of each other. So Mother Earth, you know, it's uh, it goes beyond just us being able to drink clean water, be bathing in clean water. It it goes further than that. When we plant our gardens, we're, we're putting them toxic, toxic um, um, additives, whatever they're putting in there, like chemicals or whatever into our gardens. And um, one of the gardens that I always drive by every day is um, Blunt's West Dana, um, she has one of the biggest gardens on the reservation and she's watering, you know, her uh, garden um, and praying, you know, that, that all of that other stuff is already filtered out 
you know, and, and so her uh, garden and her food that she's going to give out to the elders is, you know, truly organic, truly safe. And, and for the most part it is, but um, <clears throat> because that runoff has already gone by. So by the time she starts to get a, um, a harvest ready, it's like months later, but, at the same time, like, you know, you just don't, you just don't know what you're doing. Uh, if you're not, and, and, it, and it affects people in esport. Body. So I just feel like we need to know how to open this all up without barriers, without barriers. Yeah. Take care of Mother and, Earth. And there are um, certainly crises of water, you know, water crises all over the world. It, it's been a topic, you know, access to clean water. Um, I wanted to, to shift a little bit and talk a little bit more about the bill LD906 that Rena introduced. And um, I have so many questions about it. So I'll try to, I'll try to focus. <laughs> I had opportunity. I tuned into a couple of the uh, hearings that were on Zoom um, I don't know if it was the work session or the hearing and I didn't listen. I wanted to listen more. I, I feel kind of guilty that I didn't stay and, and, you know, give you my support through the zoom, but it was really hard to hear some of the things that people were saying. Some of the legislatures, the, the way that you were spoken to, it made me sick <laughs> and I could just feel it. And I thought, man, you know, I, I, my heart went out to you, Marina, for having to sit there and hear that. Um, and I'm so grateful that you do that <laughs> for our people, <laughs> but it's just, you know, I, I want you to, I want you to take care of yourself. Yeah. Well, we want Esther, uh, I appreciate your support on that. And uh, you know, one would think, as important as water is to living and being that you yourself, you know, wouldn't have heard, you know, such opposition, um, um, you know, and as we move through this process of introducing this bill and what we wanted to come from it, and we did a number of presentations to a number of organizations, um, I have to say that the Wabanaki Alliance um, and its um, effort to um, build uh, an outstanding coalition uh, really afforded us an opportunity, uh, as uh, Maria had mentioned, I think it was earlier, to elevate, you know, this issue. Uh, and I think LD906 um certainly allowed this issue to be elevated, but it also brought the subject forth to talk about it and not become so, you know, complacent and accepting of our water quality here in Sabayak that we've, I have to say for myself, that's what happened to me. Um, just became accepting of it, you know, this is how it is, you know, but then I think in this role, I think it allowed me a voice, you know, and it allowed an opportunity to really raise this up and, and bring it out and have people speak to it. And 
you mentioned the public hearing in the work session. They were very long public hearing and, you know, following our presentations, you know, throughout um, um, various organizations within Maine. I mean, they really, you know, received our words and acknowledged that this is an issue here in Subayak. You know, our drinking water quality uh, is certainly an issue here. And they stepped forward and, um, you know, it was a long uh, afternoon of public hearing with lots of testimony. And uh, as you indicated, asked our opposition as well, perhaps that's the balance, you know, um, to a subject. Um, but uh, as we moved forward with L- LD906, following the, the uh, stakeholder meetings, we identified, you know, three, three areas that we really wanted to focus on. And what we learned um, yeah, during these stakeholder meetings, you know, there was always this consideration made to available resources and the lack of available resources. So what we wanted to do was, you know, we met with the Passamaquoddy Water District in early January of 2020. And uh, the Water District was included in these quarterly meetings throughout this entire process. Up until um, we presented this bill, um, and we, the last meeting that we had, I believe, was in January of 2022, a uh, larger stakeholder uh, meeting, and we went over uh, the language, the proposed language of this bill, and um, we wanted to. Um, we came to the table with the district in 2020, and and um, you know said, let's work together on try to remediate this issue and um, work together on it. And so throughout the conversations over two years, we kind of identified that there's this concern around resources. So we put forth in the the legislature one piece that would um, uh, eliminate the tax liability that the Passamaquoddy Water District has held since its uh, second um, um, uh, what's the word I want to say? Um, I can't re- recall the word that I want to charter amendment. Uh, in 1929, the East Fort Water Company was um, created by legislation um, and was the East Fort Water Company up until 1983. And um, then legislation amended its charter and it became the Passion 40 Water District. And at that time, it's my understanding that it became the only water utility, public water utility within the state of Maine that had a tax liability. Uh, so we sought to change that so that uh, if the legislation went through, then what the district would have to pay out in taxes to the city of Eastport and the town of Perry, we hope that the, it could be redirected back into the district, into the infrastructure and into the maintenance, you know, uh, related to trying to improve the water quality. Um, so that was the first component. And we talked a little bit earlier about the wellhead at Zamabonigook, which I mentioned the tribe purchased and it became fee land. Um, and we also have another parcel of land in the town of Perry uh, called uh, Humphreys Farm, which uh, has an, another identified a groundwater source there. So we sought 
to put these two parcels of land, considered fee land, um, um, into trust to be able to make the application to the Department of Interior to transfer um, these two parcels from fee land to trust land. And so that's the second part of the bill. And uh, the third part of the bill um, was that we wanted to exercise jurisdiction here in Sabayak over our water. We want to be responsible to monitor our water quality here in Sabayak. And so that's what we put forth in the third portion. Um, of the bill in that it would um, it would remove um, if we so choose uh, the jurisdiction that comes from the state and it would align us uh, with every other federally recognized tribe across the United States to work um, directly with uh, the federal uh, EPA um, in uh, regulating our water here in Sabayak. So that's the third portion uh, of of the bill. There's so many good things in there. It just sounds like a a win-win across the board. And I like how it's not just about the Passamaquoddy water, um, but it's about Eastport and it's about um, the water district itself and and all of that. Um, Oh, that was leading into a question, which I totally forgot. I, um, you got I, one? <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking, I keep thinking about the opposition and I'm wondering, you know, as you talk about these three parts of the bill and as you're talking, I'm saying, yeah. And then when you said, give us the, the responsibility and put that into trust. And that's where I could see the opposition, you know, that there seems to be so much fear about uh, Wabanaki having the same, being on same level as all the other tribes in the nation and that that put it into trust i think that's probably where the opposition was coming from um i didn't i never really heard any good arguments i i was so i think i was just so floored from the tone of voice and the the things that people were saying that i didn't even hear their words so i don't even know exactly what the opposition's argument is because the feeling i was getting for them from them overshadowed (laughs) any of their facts so can you talk a little bit about what you know, what the arguments the the people that are against this are making? I think, um, um, let me, let me just comment this way and and provide an answer to that in in a different, you know, um, you know, the, the restrictions and the limitations that are in black and white of the main implementing act, right? There's a municipal, um, there's a line in there that gives our neighbors an opportunity to um, vote in favor or against what we here in Sabayak would like to do on our own lands. Um, So I think that was of great issue to have to give that up because that was a direct call to remove that municipal um, authority. That does not mean that we are not considerate of our neighbors. 
in Perry and in Eastport. Um, I, I think it's safe for me to say it was a question that I posed. Um, what other municipality in the state of Maine is required in black and white in law that they have to go to their neighboring municipality and get authorization for what they want to do in their own um, municipality, town, and in our case, tribal territory, tribal lands. You know, that was a question that I posed back. And I believe we're the only ones. And I, I really sincerely feel that the language written in the main implementing act limits our sincere relation, a sincere cooperative working relationship with neighbors. Because at any given time, you know, they can pull up that document and say, well, it says right here, come to us. If you want to do anything on tribal land or on, on the land that you, you know, live on and steward, you have to come to us first. You know, so I think Esther, I think that's where some of the opposition stemmed from. But I, I want to take this opportunity once again and just go on record that, you know, um, I think we are good neighbors. We are very considerate of our neighbors um, and of each other. Um, you know, I think that's just who we are. We're very considerate, you know, of, of each other. Um, and I want to say, you know, since we began meeting in 2020, you know, I think some of the opposition you may have heard, Esther, was that they weren't a voice at the table. However, I would go on to say there was representation at the table for two years on a quarterly basis. Talking about the water quality issues here in Sabotic, knowing that there was a, a concept draft bill proposed, carried over, and that, you know, that became legislation that had three areas that we went over doing a, a quarterly stakeholder meeting with, you know, those voices at the table. You know, I, I would say we, uh, we've proved that we're good neighbors. Um, our generosity allowed uh, the settlers to survive coming down the Swedek River when they spent their, their winter on that island. We saved them. So I think we've proven that we're good neighbors. Go ahead, Maria. <laughs> I was just going to say that it is interesting to note that so many of the issues that uh, affect the tribes and the state of Maine all boil down to the language in the Maine Indian Claims Settlement Act and, and how limiting it is. We only have a few more minutes together. 
And I just wanted to acknowledge that there are so many people and so many organizations that are supporting Passamaquoddy people and their fight for clean water and and rallying, quite literally, um, in support. And I was wondering if you wanted to tell us a little bit about the amazing rally that took place on April 11th. (laughs) Oh, Oh, my goodness. Wow. I don't know how I could describe it other than, um, you know, I called out those coalition members being outstanding. Uh, and they were. They really came together and really pulled this rally together in a short amount of time. You know, Wabanaki Alliance, you know, was in support of 906 and its coalition members, you know, did lots of work around it, you know, providing testimony, doing social media posts and really bringing people together for that rally and, and uh, called people to action and they responded. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we brought the drums to the state house once again. <laughs> That's always a good thing. Holly, we got just a couple more minutes left. And so I just wanted to give you an opportunity if you, if you wanted to say anything to these amazing allies that um, you have. Oh boy, they are amazing. Um, <clears throat> without their help, I think that uh, would get nowhere. They're also our voice, you know, and, and it, I appreciate and I, I am deeply honored to know we have such a beautiful, uh, huge back end. And I, and I want to hug each one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, uh, Holly Cleves, uh, Passamaquoddy Tribal member and school board member for joining us. Passamaquoddy Tribal Representative Rena Newell, thank you so much. And thank you to the listeners for joining us here on Wabanaki's um, uh, Donland Signals. I forgot where I was. <laughs> Thanks to our volunteer technician, Jeffrey Hodgkiss. And be sure to join us next month and every third Thursday uh, for more Dawnland Signals and more conversations of truth, healing, and um, change. Stay tuned for more great programming here on WERU-FM. And um, minach kanamio. Aliyah. Gazelle Mokla.